the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All of us, we're going to stand before God. There's two different judgments. You understand that, right? There's the great white throne judgment where there's that determination whether or not you're a follower of Jesus. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ where we stand for God and we account for what we've done with what he's given us. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. What would happen in your individual life if you committed this to living in that manner? Giving your life to the place where God has planted you. What if you assumed that God was just going to leave you where you are? How would you live differently for him? First, we see that we're to give our life to the place God has planted us. And by the way, I can't do that if it's all about me. If it's all about me, I'm a consumer, not a contributor. And in church, here's the way it plays out. If it's all about me, if I don't like the preaching, I leave. And I usually use an excuse, whether it's accurate or not, I say, I'm not getting fed. That's the same reason you stop going to a restaurant. You don't like what you're getting fed. That's a consumer. Or you say, I don't like the music. Or I don't like this change. It's all about me. What if you said, it's not about me, God. You've put me here. I don't understand it, but I'm going to bloom where I planted. I'm going to take my shoes off and stay a while. I'm going to give my life here. Number two, he says, give your love to the people around you. That's that's what's amazing. He didn't just say, stay there. He didn't just say, build houses. He went beyond that. Look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now think about that. They were captives. (laughs) This was an evil king. And the God they serve is saying... Seek their welfare and pray for them, your enemies. They would understand this because we know in the Psalms it says, pray for the peace of where? Pray for the peace of where, does the Bible tell us? Jerusalem and love the city, it says in the Psalms. Well, now God is saying to the same people who are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, hey, you pray for your enemy and seek their welfare. And that word welfare is literally that biblical word shalom. And we hear that and we think of peace. But it's so much more. 
There's not really a good English word to describe that word shalom because it's it's comprehensive. It's all-inclusive. It speaks to flourishing in every dimension socially and economically and physically and spiritually. So God is saying, you pray for them that they will flourish in every way possible. And you can't do that without loving them. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus would remind us again and again, you've got to love those who hate you. You've got to love those who persecute you. And then he modeled it, didn't he? As he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What if we begin to live in our little corner of the world with that mentality? And we didn't see those who are different just as different. But we saw them as people to love for the mission of God. If we did that, even those of us who hang out in church a lot, we would ask a different question. We wouldn't say, how's our church doing? We would say, how's our city doing? How's our our community doing? And guys, it's not doing good. Did you know that when the conquistadors came into Tampa Bay, they named it the Bay of the Holy Spirit. Now we're known around the world as one of the destinations for sexual tourism. It's one of the hot spots for human trafficking. Our streets are filled with homelessness and and drug abuse. We're not doing well. The church is not doing great. Churches close their doors every week. What if we loved our city differently? The truth is, people are moving to the cities. And they're moving here like crazy. All around every one of our campuses, but just in general, all around the world. Did you know that every month around the world, five million people are moving to cities? Some of you were cheering on the Atlanta Braves last night. Did you know that would be like saying a city the size of Atlanta, five million people springing up new around the world every month? There are places in Africa, for example, where the countrysides are becoming desolate because people are moving to the big cities. And and you know what Christians are doing around the world? Oh, they're different. They're running out. We're saying we would like to go where we're more comfortable, where the pace is a little slower, where it's easier for us. What if we changed our mentality and we ran to those we're supposed to be loving? How would it look? Can I give you three examples that we can relate to? In Temple Terrace, our, our little community where our central campus is located, it is now considered to be 25% Muslim. So how would loving well look? Well, it may look like getting involved in our Esau classes that take place on this campus five days a week. Where four days of this week, we could say there'll probably be more Muslims on our campus than there will Christians because they're coming on campus to learn English. And you don't have to be an English teacher. You don't even have to know another language just to show up and love them. You might be 
need to be able to pour some Diet Coke into a, a cup or, or, or put out some napkins and, and serve some donuts. You, you might just need to be able to sit there and, and, and talk to them because they, they would love to have communication and conversation in English. But that's just a simple way. At our, our Six Mile campus, did you know that every Friday night we feed hundreds of people let me explain that to you. We have folks that come on to the campus for a hot meal, a free hot meal. Most of them don't do that just because they'd rather come there than the Golden Corral. They, they go that because they, they can't afford another meal. So this week, let's say about 70 folks did that, and they hear the gospel every week. And then let's say another 70 to 100 people are, are met out on the streets because we send out teams to feed homeless people with meals as well. And then to the tune of another five to 700 folks, we're, we're giving out meals that they can take with them from our food pantry every Friday night. And how does that happen? People like you serving the community, serving the city, showing love. A lot of other examples, but one on our Lake Carroll campus, we've realized about 50% of that community immediately around that campus is Hispanic. So what do we do? We started a Spanish service on Friday nights just saying, hey, we, we want to do whatever we can to get in there and to love those around us. What are you doing to love the people that God's put around you? Let me just remind you, loving them doesn't mean we become like them. No, it it means showing them how we're different. That's what this was about in Jeremiah's day, and it's true in our day. God's mission is, is not changed. You understand that, right? He doesn't want you to be the hero of the story, so take a deep breath, relax. You don't have to be able to do everything you think you can't do. He's the hero of the story. This is not your mission. This is his mission. It's not your plan. It's his plan. He just wants you to get involved in what he's already doing right underneath your nose. We're different. The New Testament calls it ambassadors. And churches throughout Modern history have taken that term and, and we've kind of programmatized it. And so in my church growing up, I, as a little boy, I was a royal ambassador. We even had a song, I'm royal ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone from country A who's living in country B to represent country A to the people in country B. And God says, if you're a Christ follower, you are his ambassador. And that means though you're not from this kingdom, you're living in this kingdom to represent the king. And so you may have to learn to speak the language in this kingdom. You may have to adapt to some of the cultures of this kingdom, but you don't blend in because you're different. You're an ambassador for the king. That's who we are. And when we realize that, boy, it makes a difference. It did in the early church. The early church grew by sharing the gospel and serving people when no one else would. Did you know that in AD 250, a plague struck the Roman Empire? We're not the only one to suffer from a pandemic. It killed an average of 5,000 people a day. At that time, Christians were only 2% of the known population. And yet they shone brightly. They made an impact. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. 
It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Dionysus, the Bishop of Corinth, reported that most of our brother Christians showed up with unbounded love and loyalty. They never stopped sparing themselves, thinking only of one another. In heedless danger, they took charge of the sick. They attended to their every need, ministering to them in Christ. With them, they departed this life serenely and happy. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves, and they died instead. But he went on to say, but with non-Christians, everything was quite different. They deserted those who began to be sick. They fled from their dearest friends. But the church ran in. That's how you show love. That's what a true friend is anyway, right? You show up when everybody else runs out. We run to those that everyone is running from. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking... All right, but I'm, this is too much for me. Where do I start? Here you go. Everybody do this. That's where you start. It starts with one. One person making a decision to pray for and share the good news with one person. Who's that one person in your family? Or the one person at your work or in your class? Who's the one person in your neighborhood that you know they're not walking with God? They don't seem to have a relationship with Jesus. Who's your one? I want you to think about that name. And ask God to give you the courage to love them well. You give your life to the place God has planted you. You give your love to the people around you, but you give your best to the one who is for you. So this is where this passage gets interesting, because in verse 8 and 9, Jeremiah, speaking for God, says, don't listen to all the prophets who are telling you fake news, right? It would be like me standing up, imagine me standing up and say, hey, there's a lot of preachers out there that are telling you some bad stuff. Don't listen to them. Oh, so in fact, let me just do that. There's a lot of preachers out there telling you some bad stuff. Don't listen to them. And it's related to exactly the same thing Jeremiah was saying because he said, there's these false prophets and they're telling you, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. God's going to come back and get you in two years. And God says, I didn't tell them that. I never said that. Don't listen to them. He's going to go on to say, in fact, it's going to be 70 years. Some of you will die there. And some of you have been impacted by that same kind of false teaching today. 
You've had somebody tell you, if you just do this or if you just do that, everything's going to be happy in your life. You're never going to have problems. In all my life, I've watched as well-intended people buy into that kind of thinking, and then they face the problems, and they don't have any choice but to reject that kind of God and walk away from his church. Don't listen to that. God was saying, it's not always going to be easy, and and the plans aren't going to work out the way you think, but I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What is God saying? I think he's saying it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be quick, but it's going to be worth it. In our instantaneous culture where we want the blessings right now, sometimes we think it's got to be easy and often we think it must be quick. I'm here to tell you some bad news. Too often it's neither. But I've got good news. It is worth it. You still have the promise of God. You have the hope that he offers. So God was saying, I am for you. It's just different than you think. All you've got to do is seek me with all your heart. Why does God use that term all the way throughout scripture? Why does he say things like the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, seeking the one who is willing to give them his whole heart? It's because God wants your best. That's what he's given you and that's what he wants from you. I know what I've had planned for you. You're a part of that plan. So just give me your all and let me unveil it so that you can go on. This is a reminder of the gospel. When we were hopeless, when we were helpless, God gave us his best. He gave us his son. That's what that that verse means, John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, just as that message is to us, Jeremiah had a specific message for the people of his day. But the principle is true. Remember, God is at work for our good and his glory. And he wants to use you to accomplish his plan. So a few questions. Are you getting in on what he's doing around you? Have you planted where you are? Are you seeking him with all your heart? Are you holding back? I was thinking about this early this morning and thought, you know, all of us, even Christ followers, we're going to stand before God. There's two different judgments. You understand that, right? There's the great white throne judgment where there's that determination whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, whether or not your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. But then there's a judgment seat of Christ where we stand for God and we account for what we've done with what he's given us. I want to be able to say I gave you my best. And what a shame to say, Oh, Jesus, I love you, but I I gave my best, 
to working hard so I could have that place at the beach or that place in the mountains or that place at the lake. Oh, Jesus, I, I love you, but I, I, have, I have to tell you, I, I gave my best to my kids, so I, I know I wasn't around much for a lot of years, and, and I know some of that, that resource could have spent differently, but I gave my best to my kids, Jesus. I gave my best to my career. I gave my best so I could drive a new car when I wanted to. What if instead I could say I gave my best for you? That's what I'm asking you to do today. To be able to say, Jesus, from this moment on, by your grace and for your glory, I want to give my best for you. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Just think about his journey. He left a pretty roomy place (laughs) to come to a stinky city. He was a sojourner. A foreigner. This world was not his home. And yet, boy, did he love well. Romans 5 tells me that While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You know, it's one thing to think about I'm supposed to love my enemies. It's another thing to realize that the Bible says I was an enemy of God. And yet he loves me. And then when he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, he truly gave us his best. What will I give to him? We've said a lot today. I want to ask you to make it very practical. The first thing is this. Do do you know the one who gave his best for you? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If not, you're in a safe place where you can understand that no matter what God's seen you do he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and it really is as simple as acknowledging that you need him because of your sin receiving his forgiveness and then yielding and committing your life to him and in just a moment there'll be pastors from this church that are standing here and there are people that can even communicate with you online and 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 we want to talk to you if you need that relationship with christ i'm going to invite you to come and just tell us i need jesus But most of us here profess to already have that relationship with Christ. So I want to ask you a question. How would your life look differently today if you started truly investing in living where you're planted? Not waiting till you graduate or waiting till you get married and waiting till you have that dream job or, or waiting till your children get to a certain stage of life or, or waiting till you're in retirement. But what if today you said, God, I don't know the future, but I know where you've planted me. You're going to get my best. Oh, and one more thing. 
Who's your one? Who, who's that person that you're willing to say, God, I, I, will, I will drive down the stake. I will pray for this person, and I will look for the opportunities to share your truth. Please open the door. That one I, I'm going to give you a practical way to respond to. After I pray, as we begin to worship just over here to my right, to your left on our central campus, there's a banner that says, for you. And here's what I want you to do if, if you're led. I want you to go and, and take one of the pens we provided and just write the first name of your one. And we want to join you in that prayer. And then make sure you come back and write that in, in your Bible or in the notes in your phone just as a reminder to pray. And if you're watching online, just you can write that first name in the context and our online pastor wants to just communicate with you. Yes, we'll record that and we'll pray. And, and that will be practical application for you saying, God, I get it. You've put me here for you. And you want me to live my life looking in my little corner of the world and saying, I'm here for you. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk Tampa, online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.